Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. It comes a time every season when summer has to start coming to an end, and before summer comes to an end, college football starts, which really signals the beginning of fall. We are literally one week away from the major start of college football and just a few days from a small slate of games on Saturday. This is the time when all fans are have been excited over the summer and, and even the spring and the summer, but now they're really starting to pay attention to their college teams and their conferences. And tonight we are going to discuss the Big Ten in a segment that I call One Question with Sammy. Joining me is Sammy Jacobs, the uh, owner and founder of Hoosier Huddle and uh, a really uh, awesome football writer and journalist. And so he knows a lot about the Big Ten. And we're going to go one question at a time uh, about each program and then a couple questions uh, just in general on the Big Ten. Sammy, how are you doing this evening? I am doing fantastic. It feels like a nice fall night out here in Indianapolis. Just getting ready uh, for the season, and summer ended for me a couple weeks ago when school started, so college football cannot get here fast enough, and week zero is upon us, so um, we'll see. So so let's get started. The Big Ten, I think, has been a solid football conference for some time. I think it's starting to catch up with the other major not to catch up with the major, but set themselves maybe apart from the other uh, conferences with its play. It's divided into two conferences, the two winner or two divisions, and each winner uh, of those divisions plays for the championship in Indianapolis. So we're going to start with the West, and our first question for Sammy is Illinois. Can Lovey Smith get anything done over there in Illinois? Excuse me. It depends on what your definition of getting anything done is. Uh, can he turn that program around? I'm not sure. But they have been building new facilities uh, there. They've poured a lot of money into that football program. But they on the on-field product has been awful. They went 2-10 and 10 last year, didn't win a conference game. Uh, this year, they don't really bring back much to give you any hope of, you know, more than – for, you know, three or four wins. Uh, you know, they play USF in their non-conference uh, along with Kent State and Western Illinois, so they should win two out of three of those. Uh, and then their crossover games, uh, they get uh, Maryland, Rutgers, and Penn State. So it's not a terrible crossover slate for them. Uh, both Rutgers and Maryland on the road, which hurts. Those matchup games, you'd like to have them at home. I wouldn't count them out beating Minnesota at home either. But it depends on what your definition is of getting things done. I don't think Lovey Smith is inspiring. I didn't understand the hire that happened at the time. I get that he's a brand name. He coached the Bears for a long time. But until Illinois starts recruiting Chicago and getting those players, they're, they're going to be sitting ducks in the West. And, you know, what – it's year, what, four now of Lovey Smith, year three of Lovey Smith, and he has done absolutely nothing, and I don't think that's going to change. Although his win total might go up to three this game, but when you're in the basement, there's nowhere to uh, to go but up. So so I'm going to take that, regardless of definition of done, as, as a no. And, and, and we move on to Minnesota. 
Does the boat row smoothly this year uh, or forward this year, or does it uh, get stuck a little bit for P.J. Fleck? Uh, I Look, when you sent me the questions last night, half or maybe three-quarters of the questions, I could have answered just probably not. Now, I, I know your podcast is quality podcast, and that two-word answer is probably not going to cut it. Um, but as far as Minnesota goes, probably not. It's, they are starting a, a walk-on true freshman. Now, he did have an impressive high school career down at IMG, but he only had low-level FTS offers, which is kind of shocking to me, uh, given the program he came out of at IMG in Florida. Uh, he has good size and all that stuff, but they lost their JUCO transfer. He went back to JUCO to play linebacker. They're going to have issues on offense. Uh their leading wide receiver or one of their leading running backs, Shannon Brooks, is out for the year with a leg injury. They just I don't know if they have the the weapons around them uh to to really say they're gonna contend. It's you're growing against the against the current there. They went five and seven last year. They were just god awful the last half of last year. Um outside of a win against Nebraska, they were shut out um, they were shut out twice in their final two games, uh, let up about 70 points uh, in that as well. So the momentum is it's kind of gone, I think, in terms of, of P.J. Fleck. Uh, now, Minnesota does have the facilities. They're putting money into it. Uh, again, all these teams in the West are. Uh, but it's, I think this year is going to be a struggle. Uh, and watch out for that game September 8th against, um, against Fresno State because the Bulldogs could go into Minneapolis and, and pull off that upset. Moving on to uh, Northwestern and, and getting ready for um, the Purdue Northwestern opener, which Sports Talk with Tonsoni Delphi Bracketology will be covering. Um, I noticed this trend, and I want to see what your thoughts are. After successful seasons, uh, 9, 10, 11 win seasons, Northwestern has followed them up with losing records. Does that uh, roller that coaster actually factually, factually incorrect? Um, they went ten and three in 2015, finished sixteen seven and six. Uh, so, okay, let, know, let, let me let me be factually correct. Years and Thirteen and fourteen were yeah. five and seven. Okay, so they had a seven and six record, but three times recently when they've had really good breakout seasons, they've gone back close to five hundred. Will be more accurate. Does that continue this year after last year's successful season? That pattern, maybe, but I think that they go in that pattern because their most successful teams are senior-laden teams. You could look at it the opposite way too, where they're building up into a ten-win season and then they re, not restart, but you kind of take a step back as these younger, as these seniors graduate and you bring in and younger guys. Um, that's how I look at Northwestern. This year, Clayton Thorson is back. We'll see if he plays in the opener. What's going to hold them back, they could be as talented as last year's team. What's holding them back is their schedule. They play Duke at home and Notre Dame at home in their non-conference along with Akron. That is a, that is a tough uh, non-conference schedule for a team like Northwestern. You draw Michigan State and Michigan uh, as well as Rutgers from the east, you have to go travel to Rutgers, so that doesn't make it easier. 
you draw two of those big four teams out of the East. So they they could be as talented and still finish six and six, maybe seven and five, and a few upsets. You could get to to um, eight wins, uh, maybe eight four. But that ten win ceiling, they're going to need a lot of breaks to go. So I don't think it, it's as bad of a image as it is um, for them to step back. They do bring they lose. Uh, they're running back Justin Jackson, but their their defense is loaded. This is one of these teams that will probably go, you know, seven and five, anywhere between six and six and and eight and four in the regular season. But that does not mean that they're a bad team. You know, you, you bring up a great point there with uh, the scheduling, too. The changes in the schedule affect some of these teams as well, especially teams like Northwestern as they build up uh, and, and have that winning season. If you're a Northwestern fan, this is the this is the season ticket dream uh, of their home schedule. Uh, they get some outstanding teams uh, coming to. Um, oh, the name of the field's escaping me right now. Dyke Stadium, right? It's still Ryan, Dyke Stadium, and it's, so it's, uh, if yeah, this, Ryan Field, Ryan Field. Um, so, man, that there's some great football going to be played uh, on the northern part of Chicago. Let's go to Nebraska. Uh, first year under new coach, are they a bowl team this year? Probably not. Um, they're probably not. It's They have dug themselves a large hole since uh, Bo Pelini was there. Now, Scott Frost is, is going to be good, uh, but we'll see what happens. Everybody's high on them. Their schedule is pretty difficult as well. They have to go to Michigan. They have to go to Wisconsin. They have to go to Northwestern. They have to go to Ohio State, and they have to go to uh, and to Iowa. They're not sweeping those five games. So let's say they split them. At best, they go three and two. Uh, then you have Michigan State at home. You get Purdue at home. You probably split that. That's four wins right there. You have to play Colorado and Troy and Akron in the non-conference schedule. They probably take at least two out of three of those, it's going to be a struggle getting to six wins. And, I, you know, a lot of people are bullish on this Nebraska team just because Scott Frost uh, is there. But let's remember this team went four and eight last year. They were pretty bad. They're going to start a freshman at quarterback, uh, true freshman uh, Adrian Martinez there, and he's going to have some growing pains. They were. I, I don't think people understand how bad they were under Mike Riley and the lack of recruiting, that's going to catch up to them. So probably not. Uh, the next team in the Big Ten West is Purdue. Um, do they have the talent, and especially on defense this year, do they have the talent to match uh, the coaching and continue uh, their upward trend? You know, Purdue's kind of a funky team. Uh, you know, Jeff Brom did an awesome job last year. Uh, bringing that program back from the dead and getting there, you know, going seven and, and six, winning a bowl game, beating IU to go to a bowl game. And they really got hot at the end of last year. And Purdue, to me, they lose a lot on defense, and that's where they that's where they won their games last year, was on defense. As good as Brom is on offense, he won games on defense last year, and they lose some of these big guys up front. Uh, they lose Juwan Bentley, who's playing in the NFL now, uh, and and all that stuff. So 
the talent is getting there. I don't know if it's there yet. Uh, it, it might be another year. They're putting together a terrific class currently, and that's going to come in in 2019. They put together a pretty solid class for 2018. But overall, I think maybe the next few years down the road, Purdue's talent is going to match the coaching talent that they have on staff. Next team is Iowa. Uh, is this a 10-win Iowa team or a 6-win or 7-win Iowa team? It's Iowa, so they're probably going to win eight games. <laughs> um, that's, what they, that's what they always do. It, it's it's interesting because Iowa's strengths this year aren't going to be your typical Iowa strengths. Their quarterback's a strength. Their passing game's a strength. Uh, and, you know, who knows? And their defense is a question mark. They lose uh, all their linebackers. They lose a, a lot on the defensive line. They lose a couple important secondary players as well. So all the things you think Iowa is doing well, big question mark this year. They, they lose a running back as well. They do have the best tight end in the country and Noah Fant uh, coming back. So it, it might be bizarro world Iowa where they pass first and then run. But, you know, they're probably set up for eight wins because that's what Iowa does. Uh, we'll get their schedule out, out here, but that's what they do. They get eight wins. They get Indiana out of the East, uh, who's going to be their homecoming game. I know that I, I've said that that's game for IU fans to circle. They get Maryland at home out of the East and have to go to Penn State. So it's not the te- it's not a terrible draw out of the East. And then you host Northwestern, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. Uh, so they have some some good teams at home. They don't leave the state of Iowa until October sixth. So, yeah, schedule-wise, just pencil men for eight wins. And home of one of the the um, most recent uh, great traditions in the wave to the Children's Hospital. Um, you know, No matter what their record is, that, that that's something that I, I like to see uh, when Iowa plays at home. Um, Wisconsin, are they college football playoff good this season? No. Not if what recently has happened uh, stays the same. Their two best wide receivers, Quintus Cephas and Danny Davis, have been suspended. Uh, Danny Davis has been suspended two games. I think Cephas has been suspended indefinitely. If they lose those two guys, that changes everything for Wisconsin's offense. Alex Hornbrook is a capable quarterback. He does turn the ball over a lot, but he needs some weapons there. And And he's now down his two best receiving weapons. Jonathan Taylor is a Heisman candidate. They're always going to be able to run the ball. Their defense should be stout, but this could be a one-dimensional Wisconsin team. What also hurts them is their non-conference scheduling. Because they are Wisconsin and they're stuck in 1994 where they think they've scheduled Western Kentucky, New Mexico, who's awful, and an awful BYU team. Uh, So they should what, what will hurt them is, though, even if they do run the table, which I don't think they will, their strength of schedule looks terrible. Uh, and, and that's you can attest to that with your bracketology stuff. It, it does matter, especially in the college football, when these other teams are playing uh, some big boy games. They do have to travel to Northwestern, Purdue, Penn State, and Michigan. They get Rutgers out of the East as well at home. So 
there's some losable games on there. Yeah, Mich- at Michigan's not a gimme. At Penn State is tough. And then back-to-back weeks, it's Penn State and at Purdue. So you're, you could be looking at a, at, a, at a Wisconsin team that loses three games and maybe has to fight for the West more than people expect this year. You know, Wisconsin, in order to be playoff good, has to run the table because they have to get their good wins in conference. Uh, I don't see them uh, losing a game, even if they win the, you know, the Big Ten conference uh, with that strength of schedule. That's when you'll see some teams from other conferences jump over them if they're a one-loss team. We're talking with uh, Sammy Jacobs of Hoosier Huddle. We're uh, this podcast is called One Question with Sammy as we go through the fourteen teams in the Big Ten, and we just finished with the Big Ten West, and we're going to move on to the Big the Ten East, and we're going to start uh, with our Indiana Hoosiers. Can the defense be as good as last year, or close enough to get to a, a winning season or a bowl game? Well, we're going to preview our defense on the Hoosier Huddle podcast right after this. So that's, that's good timing with that question, uh, Brian. But you know. Defense is a big question. They have to replace a lot of guys. They have to replace a lot of productive guys. Tigre Scales, Chris Covington, Richard Fant, Chase Dutra, Nate Hoff, Greg Gooch. You know all the names. Uh, they have to replace those guys. The good news for IU, though, is that four or five years ago, everybody was saying these guys stink. Their defense stinks. So, you know, Tom Allen came in, turned it around. The talent he has brought in on the defensive side of the ball is very good and it's going to be young it's going to take a few games for them to get their feet underneath them get their sea legs and things like that and there will be growing pains but good news for iu is that their schedule early on is very manageable at fiu uh virginia at home ball state at home uh michigan state at home which is a tough game but then you go to rutgers so you got five games where you could live with a few mistakes and, and still win the games uh and by the time you get to October, this defense should be ready to go. The athleticism on this defense is pretty well. I don't think this defense played all that well last year. They didn't create turnovers. They're minus 13 in the turnover margin. I think they, they only picked off like three passes all year or four passes all year. So maybe that turnover luck goes the other way this year. It is football. That always happens. One year you stink at it. One year you're really good at it. Uh, and things like that. So if they could create the turnovers that they had in 2016 uh, or takeaways, then, yeah, this defense could be better. Um, not better, but as good, uh, maybe slightly worse, because you are replacing a, a lot of talent. Right. I, I'm not sure they have to be just as good uh, for Indiana to find six victories. Uh, they just don't need to see a, a big fall uh, with replacing those guys it, to be competitive. You cannot be, you cannot be the 2015 defense. You, you right. cannot be a Swiss cheese defense. You're going to have to be an adequate defense, a middle, middle of the pack defense, anywhere from you know probably 50 and higher it should be okay. But we've seen what Tom Allen has done uh, with, with the defense that has been bad in the past. And it turned them into, you know, a top 40, top 30 defense. So maybe that trend continues. A lot of it's going to have to depend on getting those takeaways. Moving on to Rutgers with our one question. Do they have the offensive weapons to win six and go bowling? Do they have enough guys that didn't get caught in the credit card scandal that you shared with me today to to get to six? Maybe should be the question. Probably not. 
Um, again, there were like eight questions that probably say probably not to. Uh, Rutgers' problem last year on offense is their quarterback play. They had a couple good uh, wide receivers, they had a couple good running backs, and a great tight end. What they couldn't do was actually get the ball to them. Uh, Giovanni Rochino is terrible. He's back this year. He's going to try and fight off a true freshman, Arthur uh, Sapkowski, uh, who's coming in from IMG. Him and, and the Minnesota quarterback uh, went in a battle at IMG. This guy is 6'5", six, six, 215. He's got prototypical quarterback size. Just depend. Can they can they run the ball and, and not be one-dimensional? I don't think so. I don't have that much faith in Rutgers. Their defense also has lost. It's going to be very thin. So we'll see. That's another school to watch where there might be a coaching change at the end of the year in the Big Ten East. And talking about coaching situations brings us to Maryland. Do they or how do they overcome the coaching controversy that has uh, hit the Terrapins? You know, I don't know. They have to figure out. Maryland has to announce what's going to happen first. I, personally, I don't think DJ Durkin's going to survive this. So, you know, as in any coaching change, you're going to have to rally around the interim head coach, which is who is Matt Canada. Maryland's got talent. It's not that they're covered as bare. It's, you know, do these older players who are recruited by Durkin, do you lose interest? Uh, especially if you go and get your butt kicked uh, by Texas week one, and then you have to go to Bowling Green, um, and then you play a tough Temple team. I mean, you could get out of September two and two, and your road, yeah, your road to a bowl game is really, really hard. And by the time the end of the season comes around, and Brian, your coach, you know it. If you have a senior laden team, some veterans on that team, and they're not playing for anything, they could check out early. Let's go to Michigan State, Sammy. Um, this team seems to me to be ready to do some damage. They have veterans back at the, the skill positions. Um, do, do you think that they're going to uh, have a chance to win the Big Ten East? Yeah, I think they do. Uh, Brian Lewerke probably the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten uh, behind uh, the kid from Penn State, Trace McSorley. Uh, he's back as a junior. He's a dual-threat guy. He could run. He could throw. They've got very good wide receivers. And L.J. Scott is, is a tank at running back, although he hasn't been as good as everybody expected him to be. He hasn't had a 1,000-yard season. He's fumbled the ball a lot. If he could fix those things, become that steady workhorse that they need, uh, that defense is going to be good again. Special teams is going to be fantastic. That's a team that gets Michigan at home. They get Ohio State at home. They get Purdue at home. Uh, their tough road games are at Penn State and at Nebraska to where maybe this is the year in the Big Ten East to win that division. You could have one loss because uh, they'll beat up on each other. Moving to their rival, the Michigan Wolverines, will they get solid QB play that they haven't had recently? And, and if they do, will it even make a difference? I think everybody's overselling Shea Patterson. What they don't realize is that he put up gaudy numbers against crappy teams. He was he left Mississippi because he was going to get beat out by the guy that's going to start there this year. So, you know, you can look at it. Oh, you got a former starting quarterback from the SEC. He's the number one recruit, five-star guy. Yeah, uh, you know, all that stuff. Or you look at it and go, this guy got beat out. 
Um, kind of like John O'Corn. He, he won AAC Rookie of the Year, threw for like 3,000 yards at Houston, was, you know, a big deal coming to Michigan, and he stunk. So Michigan's now in the you got to prove it to me before I anoint them anything. And under Harbaugh, who is supposed to be this quarterback guru, uh, he's been less than impressive. Uh, I, the only guy that came in was the kid that came uh, came over from Iowa uh, and, and did anything, and that was just against an awful IU defense. But, you know, Michigan, it's put up or shut up time for Harbaugh. I think he does a lot of talking, and we'll see what this quarterback situation does. I, I could not agree with you more. I, You know, I thought Harbaugh would go in there and really change things around, and I don't know that it's been that much of a difference from the previous coaches that they've had at Michigan, and I know that doesn't sit well up in Ann Arbor. Uh, let's go to um, uh, Penn State. Uh, can McSorley carry the team without Barkley, or do they have so much talent that they're just going to replace uh, what they left and keep moving forward? Everybody is sleeping on Miles Sanders. He's a former five-star recruit. He was the best running back coming out of Pennsylvania the year behind Saquon Barkley. This, this kid could play average over six yards of carry last year, although he didn't have a lot of carries because they had Saquon there. But, you know, so McSorley's not going to have to carry this team all by himself. What they'll miss is Mike Jasicki in the passing game. Uh, they'll miss a, a number of wide receivers that have, have moved on. But this offense should still be pretty good. Miles Sanders is no joke. And Trace McSorley, I think, has earned the benefit of the doubt as a quarterback in the Big Ten. While he does make mistakes and throw up a lot of 50-50 balls that sometimes turnover luck again, sometimes go for picks and, and all that stuff. He's won a lot of games at Penn State. And I think, you know, it's, to say their offense is going to take a major step back is just short-sighted. And Ohio State, which getting a lot of news, and we're still awaiting some some news on the coaching situation with the scandal that's that hit with their coaching staff. <laughs> uh, the question I sent you: talented but distracted. Does the distraction matter? Uh, define you know how much it matters. Uh, this team is very very talented. Do I think? Look, if you thought they were going to go 12-0 and under Urban Meyer, fine. They're not going to drop to 6-6. Six and six. That's not going to happen. If, if Urban Meyer ends up not coaching Ohio State, they're not going to drop to 6-6. Six six. They'll probably still win 10 games. Uh, they, they've got a lot of talent. They've been practicing without Urban Meyer all fall camp. Uh, and I think that they've probably done a good job of keeping the distractions limited. I know they've limited media availability during this fall camp, uh, just a couple sessions. So, but so probably it does not matter. Uh, other than that, they they might lose one of these toss up games on on coaching edge, that coaching experience, game planning, and all that stuff that they're missing out if they wouldn't have Urban Meyer. Now, if he's suspended four games, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, he misses, if he suspended the first four games, the biggest game that Ohio State has to worry about is at TCU uh, being played in Jerry World. They should have no problem against Oregon State, Rutgers, and Tulane. Other than that, their fifth game of the season is at Penn State. 
where it could get dicey is, is how long is he out? Is he gone forever? Uh, things like that. If he's back, they're favored in every single game. Um, it's tough to say that they'll go 12-0 and because that's just a lot of things happen in, in games that you're probably safe saying 11-1. and They're just super talented. And we're talking uh, with Sammy Jacobs of Hoosier Huddle and doing a quick one-question um, review or preview of the Big Ten. And so that finishes all 14 teams, and we have uh, just about six questions left for you, Sammy. Um, continuing on this one question, who's your surprise team in the Big Ten this year? Can I answer it with the, the one who actually has a coach coming back? Because <laughs> that would be a surprise right now. Seems like everybody's up in the air um, with it. My surprise team. I mean, there probably isn't any surprises. You know, kind of expect Penn State to be good. You expect Michigan and Michigan State to be good, and you expect Ohio State to be good. Um, the surprise might be somebody who's disappointing. Uh, although I, I think Indiana is going to surprise people. I'm just national media is sleeping on this team uh, in terms of they just assume that IU is going to go three and nine or four and eight. Uh, I think IU is going to be better than a lot of people say, but surprise team, I don't think a surprise team goes six and six and, and things like that. So my surprise team is probably going to be Michigan state. I think people are sleeping on them uh, to win. They're not talking about them to, to win the big 10 or the big 10 East and they get the favorable schedule. They get Michigan, Ohio State at home. They have to travel to Penn State. If you win two out of those three, you're probably in the driver's seat for the division. Who? Which top team takes a step backwards? Uh, like top 25 team? Yeah, I'm talking, you know, the top two in the West and the top four in the East. Is there any of the favorites that are being talked about in those areas that – you see our, our prime, if they don't take care of business, are going to fall to the bottom of those uh, or the middle of those divisions. I think Iowa's that team. Uh, as you said, you, you wanted to know if Iowa's a 10-win team or a 6-win team. If they win 6, they're taking a big, big step back. Uh, if they win 10, it's a big step forward. If they won 8 games last year. I wouldn't be shocked if they only won 6. They, they have to, their, their schedule is pretty difficult. Uh, and they'd have to win a lot of toss-up games to get back to that eight-win win, uh, plateau. But, you know, taking a step back to six, it produced another team that might take a step back if they – especially if you lose that opener to, to Northwestern. You have BC and Missouri coming in, uh, and those teams could be, you know, our tough Power 5 opponents coming into Ross Aid, who you could be one and three – after the month of September, uh, and, well, one and four, if you go to Nebraska and lose at Nebraska, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but the schedule sets up Purdue needs to win and win early, or they're going to have their work cut out for them going into that second half of the season. And I think if they don't get back to a bowl game, that's a pretty disappointing season for Purdue. Bet, I don't know that I really like this question, but I'm going to ask it any, anyway. Who's the best player in the Big Ten? I think that's a difficult to know uh, preseason. That's so hard because there's great players in the Big Ten. You have great defensive linemen like Nick Bosa at Ohio State. You have great offense players, uh, Trace McSorley, Brian Lewerke are fun to watch. Uh, you have running backs like Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. 
uh, Clayton Thorson at Northwestern. Every, you know, there are just so many good players. It's hard to narrow down one, especially on how they impact teams uh, and on each side of the ball. Uh, probably Nick Bosa is probably the best defender, and McSorley is probably the best offensive player. Very good. Most underrated coach in the conference. I don't want to say Tom Allen, but with what's happened in the Big Ten East, Indiana fans have got to be thinking they lucked out getting Tom Allen when you see, you know, Maryland's coach is probably out the door. Urban Myers hanging in the wind. Uh, we'll see with those Rutgers. Chris Ash could be out the door at the end of the year. Uh, things like that. But the most underrated coach, I'm still going to say Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, he's a guy who had taken Northwestern and Bryant. You know, historically, Northwestern has never been good. Um, it kind of falls into that IU category. And he's bringing them uh, into the discussion of they had back back 10 win years. And a down year for them is six wins. Like That used to be an up year for Northwestern. Now they're consistently fighting for that West Division crown. They're going to bowl games every year. They're winning bowl games. They've ended that drought. So I, I still think, and I'll change a little bit, it's underappreciated. I don't think people appreciate Pat Fitzgerald enough. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, guys like Fitzgerald, Allen, and, and you know, I would imagine I don't know Brom very well, but some of those guys, not only can they coach football, but <laughs> when they start doing things the right way, it's starting to stand out, unfortunately, um, with, with some things um, that, that have been going on recently. So Fitzgerald is, is, a, is a great answer there. How many Big Ten teams go bowling? Uh, let's see. I'd say Northwestern, Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin. So that's four in the West. IU. Nine. I'm going to go at nine. Nine teams in the Big Ten. I think that'll be a great year for the Big Ten. And, Sammy, the last question, the last uh, one question for you is, who's the Big Ten champion at the end of the year? If Urban Meyer comes back, I think it's Ohio State. If not, I I could see Michigan State uh, sneaking in there. And that'll do it for this uh, episode of One Question with Sammy, and it'll also – and uh, this episode of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. Sammy, thanks for taking the time. I know you got your own podcast that you're going to record later this evening. It's a Wednesday evening. Thanks for coming on and talking a little football. All right. Anytime, Brian. And uh, we'll see you September 15th for the Ball State game. That's right. This has uh, been Sports Talk with Tonsoni. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at at the handle at sports ton. Also check out our new website where we're introducing some young people to uh, sports writing. It's sports talk with Tonsoni.com. And we're starting to do some college and NFL previews on the, on the website. Let us know what you think. We'll try to bring good stuff to this podcast and to the website. Thank you for listening.